police accountability is necessary in any community. Over the last decade, body cameras have become one of the primary ways for the public to hold police accountable. But a new bill in the Wisconsin legislature could allow law enforcement agencies to charge for people to access these public records. At the same time, some agencies have begun refusing to name police officers accused of killing or injuring people on the job, citing Marcy's Law. Jacob Resnick has been reporting on these issues around police privacy for Wisconsin Watch, and he joins me now to talk about it. Jacob, thank you so much for being here on Lake Effect. Thank you. What is spelled out in this legislation? As we know, you know, body cam technology has really changed a lot of how we understand, you know, encounters with police, the amount of transparency, but it in order for it to be effective, you know, from a transparency perspective, it has to be released uh, to the public in a reasonable way and a reasonable time. Different departments have different policies of how they treat body cam footage. It's not just so easy of making a records request in a lot of cases and just getting the raw footage. A lot of agencies will take some time and redact it, citing statutes protecting victim privacy and so forth. Um, So that can really delay, you know, as a news reporter, that can delay the time in which to get the the, the body cam footage, which can help uh, inform the reporting. There is legislation now pending that would allow police agencies to charge uh, money for the time it takes to edit the footage and redact footage for these privacy concerns. And there are concerns, you know, from reporters like myself, that one that would slow down the process of releasing uh, the footage. You know, we often we want as minimal editing as as possible, and also it could make it prohibitively expensive, not only for news organizations, but also ordinary members of the public to access uh, what we believe are public records. Yeah. Uh, Republicans put forward uh, this bill in the legislature. Have they explained how they square this with the goal of keeping police accountable? To my knowledge, this bill hasn't had a hearing yet. All I looked at and saw was who was backing the bill, and it seemed to have a lot of support from law enforcement, professional law enforcement agencies themselves. One of the concerns about it is it's very vague on on the kind of costs that would be charged. It just says uh, it would authorize law enforcement and corrections agencies to charge a fee for the actual necessary indirect cost for redacting. And so that is a cumbersome process. And if they're charging $35 an hour, $50 an hour, whatever, I mean, it adds up pretty quickly. And so it could be hundreds of dollars for just one short incident. In the course of my reporting, I had requested body cam footage from the Oshkosh Police Department for a pair of non-fatal shootings where they had released very little information and still have not released the names of the officers involved. In one of the incidences, they redacted it so heavily you couldn't even see the person who had been shot. Basically, it was an exercise of fertility because if you can't see what the officer had perceived to be the threat, what use is that body cam footage? Now, we pushed back to the police department and got the district attorney involved, and they did release a second version that was less edited where you could see more of the actual encounter. Now, had this bill been in effect, would we have had to pay twice, for example? Uh, that would have been hundreds and hundreds of dollars potentially to get footage from, you know, one incident in one city in Wisconsin. And, you know, as news organizations are really, really stretched, I think we would see a lot less accountability for police encounters. 
So the other part of this is law enforcement agencies have been shielding the identities of officers who kill or seriously injure people on the job. Um, during the investigation, uh, which uh, we, we talked about a bit before the interview, but also after, and uh, they have released the names of civilians in these situations. How have they justified uh, what to me seems like a lack of transparency? Right. Well, there was these two non-fatal shootings in Oshkosh in 2023, and they quickly released the names of the, of the men who were shot, but the officers involved were not, the names were not released. And I found that curious. So, you know, I pushed back a little bit and asked the police department and then ultimately the district attorney. And it turns out they were citing Marcy's law, which is the constitutional amendment passed by voters in 2020 that expands uh, victim rights. Now, what was novel about this is they were expanding the definition of victim to include the police officers that fired their weapons on those days. And so that meant in, even in court documents, the names were being withheld indefinitely. Now, this is something that's happened in other states that have similar statutes from the Marcy's Law uh, Amendment. Um, but this was kind of a first thing we ever saw in Wisconsin, because, you know, just in the next county over, there had been fatal shootings in the the name of the officer was released, you know, the following day. And that generally is the practice in Wisconsin. You know, after 24 hours, 48 hours, the names of the officers are released. Uh, and if they're not released immediately, eventually when the investigative file is released after, you know, the state division of criminal investigation or the other law enforcement agency that by law has to conduct its outside review, the names come out. But not in Oshkosh, not in Winnebago County. The district attorney there has been saying, they're entitled to victim privacy. And that just is something that uh, has been tested in courts in other states and ultimately happened in Florida. Late last year, the Supreme Court rejected that argument and said that some Tampa police officers could not have their names shielded over privacy protections. And so it's, it's still untested in the courts in Wisconsin. As a news reporter, I see that as a worrying trend to assert victim privacy protections for officers of the state to have blanket anonymity, even when they use deadly force in a public setting under the official color of law. Yeah. It seems to be part of a, a larger trend of how law enforcement agencies are interpreting Marcy's law in a, a variety of unique ways. What is kind of the concern there? What is the concern as we look to the future of uh, having this law in our state, which is still pretty new? Yeah, it's a complicated law, and there are a lot of attorneys who could give a lot better analysis than I ever could. But one attorney that I spoke to said to me, privacy does not equate to anonymity. You know, and it's not an anonymity. You know, there are some reasonable protections you can uh, expect, you know, not having a person's home address, for example, uh, published or phone number, things like that. But actual blanket anonymity, that is really far-reaching. Uh, so far, the Attorney General in Wisconsin has given some guidance, but has really put the onus on local agencies to figure it out, to do their own balancing tests. And so what we're seeing is kind of a patchwork of standards. Some counties are saying, well, we'll do what we've always done. We'll release the names after you know we complete the investigation or within a reasonable amount of time. But, or as, as we see in Winnebago County, the doing blanket withholding of the officers' names. There was another fatal shooting in Winnebago County, although ironically it didn't involve Winnebago County law enforcement. It was from law enforcement from the next county over as part of this um, 
as a task force called the Lake Winnebago Area Metropolitan Enforcement Group, and it's a task force of police officers from different agencies. Uh, they were trying to uh, apprehend a fugitive, and they ended up fatally shooting him in a gas station convenience store out in, in Nina uh, in Winnebago County. Now, the names of the two officers who reportedly fired the fatal uh, shots, those names have not been released. Now, curiously, the uh, Outagamie County Sheriff's Office and the Appleton Police Department, where the officers were employed, did not cite Marcy's Law. Now, they used a different rationale. Their rationales were one is an officer who works undercover, and they didn't want to have their identity revealed. And the other said that there had been unspecified threats to their officer, and they weren't going to release the name. And then there was another fatal shooting up in, I think, Barron County, where there was another, they used the same rationale, where there was unspecified threats to the officer to resist uh, releasing their name. Now, I looked up the guidance from the Attorney General for when releasing records in what they call officer-involved death investigations, and they cite Supreme Court decisions from just recent decades, and where they say blank, you know, you, you can't have blanket withholding for unspecified threats. The Supreme Court's held that, you know, nearly all public officials, due to their profiles as agents of the state, had the potential to incur the wrath of disgruntled members of the public and may be expected to face heightened public scrutiny. That is simply the nature of public employment. So, you know, the, the state Supreme Court has rejected, you know, sweeping general assertions of, of you know, withholding identity because of public safety concerns. Unfortunately, there's no rule, any clock ticking. Every time I check in with these law enforcement agencies and say, have you closed your investigation? Is there still this, this threat to the officer? They've told, yep, it's still ongoing. And so in effect, they're indefinitely withholding uh, the identities of the officers who fire, fired the fatal shots. Justice delayed in some ways, or transparency at least delayed. All right. Well, Jacob, thank you so much for joining us here on Lake Effect, sharing your work. And uh, I look forward to seeing what happens in these situations. Well, thank you very much, Joy. I think it's just incumbent for local reporters to keep asking these questions. And uh, there aren't a lot of local reporters anymore, but the ones that are have to keep putting the pressure on for law enforcement agencies to be transparent. Jacob Resnick is an investigative reporter for Wisconsin Watch. We'll turn now to Jim Palmer, the executive director for the Wisconsin Professional Police Association, to explore how law enforcement views issues of police privacy. The association represents the majority of police officers in the state of Wisconsin, and is the state's largest law enforcement group. The uh, Wisconsin Professional Police Association, or WPPA, currently represents more than 11,000 officers uh, throughout the state of Wisconsin. We are the state's largest law enforcement group. Uh, more than 11,000 officers we represent from over 300 local association affiliates. There are some exceptions, such as the uh, City of Milwaukee Police Department and a few others, but we represent the vast majority of officers serving our communities across the state. And we represent them in a wide variety of, uh, uh, of circumstances. We bargain their contracts, we enforce those contracts, uh, we lobby for uh, law enforcement uh, amongst uh, lawmakers at the state capitol, and we also represent officers uh, if they're facing disciplinary scrutiny or uh, in, in the case of uh, any time they're involved in a critical incident, such as an officer involved shooting. And so that's something, you know, year in and year out, given the fact that we do uh, represent uh, the vast majority of officers, we tend to represent most of the officers. Uh, they're involved in, in critical incidents, such as officer involved shootings on, on an annual basis. 
So we're actually talking uh, in light of a piece from Wisconsin Watch that looked at a few different things involving police privacy. Uh, There have been law enforcement agencies that have refused to name officers suspected of killing or seriously injuring people on the job. Now, what does your organization think of that kind of tactic? I think we assume that if an officer is suspected of being involved with either killing someone or seriously injuring them, that they will be, you know, named. But that isn't always happening now. Well, absolutely. As the state's largest law enforcement group, we for many years, I really believe, have led the way to try and uh, make law enforcement events such as officer-involved shootings more transparent. Uh, We believe transparency and accountability uh, helps uh, uh, advance the credibility of our officers across the state. And it's good for not only public safety, but officer safety as well. And we've lobbied on a wide variety of of issues to to help strengthen that. With regard to Marcy's Law, I mean, it's something that the, the voters uh, elected to amend the state constitution to provide victims with some more rights with regard to their privacy. And there are times when law enforcement officers, despite the fact that they may have had to use uh, utilize force in the line of duty, and, and uh, they are public, public officials, so to speak, uh, that they are also victims themselves. And there are times in our group uh, when it is appropriate for their names, the name of an officer that's been involved in, in something like an officer involved shooting for for that not to be immediately released. There may be uh, safety concerns. And I think, again, that it's also true that many times officers are reacting to situations in, in which they themselves are victims because they have been attacked. And so I, I think it's clear uh, under the law that you know authorities cannot create a bright line rule to withhold all you know, victim records and information. Um, but there are times when it is absolutely appropriate. And it really has to be evaluated uh, by local law enforcement agencies on a case-by-case basis. Now, when Marcy's law has been challenged in court in other states, it hasn't been challenged in court yet in the state of Wisconsin, uh, but courts have seemingly not found, uh, specifically I'm I'm talking about a, a court in Florida that found police officers were not victims, could not have their names shielded in these situations. Would you be open to seeing these challenges play out in Wisconsin courts? Well, I don't know if we'd be open to it or not. I think it's important for each agency and each governmental authority to, you know, use their best judgment and and, and not try to establish or promote a, a bright line rule. Because I think it's pretty clear that uh, under Wisconsin's really strong public records law that, you know, such a bright line rule that, you know, the names of officers in all cases, you know, shouldn't be released is, is unlawful. But I think there are cases, uh, again, citing you know numerous examples and experiences that we've had over the years where officers have, have, have faced threats, their safety and security and that of their families has, has been an issue. Uh, and in, the, in those cases where um, they have been themselves attacked and had to utilize force in response to those attacks, um, I, I think there are cases when it's appropriate. And so really, um, if the law is challenged, we'll see where that goes. But I, I think it's more important that you know, agencies uh, and governmental authorities utilize their best judgment, recognize that not all, you know, not not all cases can be treated in one singular fashion. It's an interesting thing to consider. I think, of course, people are concerned about anyone's safety, regardless of their job. But part of the issue I think we run into here is uh, whether or not the public deserves to know when the people tasked with protecting them are suspected of killing or injuring a member of the public like themselves. 
how do you internally balance what you see as the rights of law enforcement and the right to the public uh, to feel safe? Well, I think it is a, a balancing act uh, you know, that has to be done on an individual basis. I think it's important to recognize that officers, simply because you know they put on a badge, they don't compromise or lose the rights of any other ordinary citizen under certain circumstances. And and that is where they, they are attacked and they are the, the, the victims of crimes themselves to the extent there are, you know, personal safety uh, issues uh, that are, are at issue, uh, you know, then, then it may well be appropriate that in those limited circumstances, uh, the names of officers uh, be withheld for some period of time. Uh, having said that, I think more often than not, uh, and I think that's what we've seen in the last few years since Marcy's law has been enacted, uh, more often than not, the, the officers' names are released in a, in a fairly you know, short amount of time. And I think that's appropriate, given the authority with which officers are entrusted to utilize uh, in, in, to a, the community's benefit. Now, this is kind of a, a broader question. We're, we're, we're switching topics here to body cameras. In general, what does your organization think uh, of the use of body cameras for law enforcement and uh, the utility of it? Well, for many years, uh, more than a decade now, our, our organization has been a very strong proponent of body-worn cameras. I can tell you, having personally represented numerous officers uh, throughout Wisconsin in, in critical incidents such as officer-involved shootings, anytime, in my experience, there was video evidence of one variety or another, it was helpful. It may not answer you know, every question uh, that may come about as a result of that incident, but it is helpful. And I think that is We've seen uh, more and more agencies throughout the state adopt them. I think a majority of, of law enforcement agencies in Wisconsin are now utilizing body-worn cameras, but there are still some that aren't, and some notable ones. We think that uh, more transparency in this regard is helpful, uh, and I think the public's expectation is that uh, at some point the body-worn camera video evidence is, is going to be publicly available, and, and we, we support that. We think it's important for the community to have their questions answered. Uh, and to have a, a clear sense of, of what an officer was experiencing at the time they had utilized force in the line of duty. Now, there's a bill that could make it prohibitively expensive for the public to access the footage taken from body cameras. Uh, do you, does your organization think it's appropriate for law enforcement agencies to charge people to view what are public documents? Well, I think, you know, it, it's... Uh, our, our public records law in Wisconsin, as I mentioned earlier, is uh, among the strongest in the nation. And I think that's a good thing. We celebrate that. In fact, we've worked tirelessly over the last several years to even strengthen it. For example, a few years ago, we worked with uh, you know the broadcasters and some of the media interest groups in, in coming up with some succinct state laws on retention periods because you know we recognize that uh, there should be some uniform rules uh, so that you know agencies know how long they have to hang on to this stuff and they can better evaluate the cost associated with maintaining the body-worn camera data. The fact of the matter is that as more agencies have adopted body-worn cameras and that technology has become more and more prevalent, obviously, perhaps not surprisingly, the number of requests that agencies are receiving for body-worn camera video has increased exponentially. And there are costs associated with that. Right now, as many people, I think, well know, you know, the staffing of law enforcement agencies throughout the state is at something like a 15-year low. Now, agencies are stretched exceedingly thin, and, and it's to the point where there are some agencies that have had to, uh, you know, hire people for the sole purpose of fulfilling these these requests. And there, so there are some extraordinary costs 
associated with fulfilling public records requests when it comes to body-worn camera uh, video uh, evidence. I, I think it's important for agencies to be able to recoup some of that. Uh, and that's what this legislation would do. I know some people have said that they believe it will be prohibitive. Right now, agencies are eating that cost. And, you know, it, it's, it's really taking its toll on agencies throughout the state. So I think if that continues, my concern is, as someone who works for an organization that supports transparency, not only transparency, but body-worn cameras, is that if the cost associated with fulfilling those public records requests related to body-worn camera video it become too excessive, I think we're going to see agencies, I'm afraid that we're going to see agencies either scale back their programs or perhaps those that that have not yet initiated a body-worn camera program uh, shy away from it because they're concerned about those costs. I think this allows, uh, this legislation that you referenced allows agencies to recoup the actual costs that are associated with redacting video evidence. So I, I don't view this legislation as being in opposition to transparency. In fact, I think it, it'll do more to continue the uh, growth of body-worn camera technology here in the state of Wisconsin. I mean, we've seen these kinds of rules abused by a lot of public organizations in the past, right? So they'll say it costs so much to do however amount of work it is. They make these documents then cost quite a lot of money, making it impossible for people in the public to access them in any meaningful way. Uh, So I, I think the ability to abuse this is pretty apparent. Beyond that, it, it does feel a little odd as, as a taxpayer being told, okay, well, you're paying for police officers and you're paying for them to have body cameras and you're paying for them to have, you know, the documents made by that. And these are public documents, but now you need to pay for that too. It's a little hard to square. You're suggesting it seems counterintuitive. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah and, I, and I understand that. I, I think, again, you know, the nice thing about technology, and we've already seen this with the, insofar as body-worn camera technology goes, as technology gets updated, the costs uh, decrease with that. And so, I, in fact, I really believe that, you know, some of the opposition as it relates to this legislation really is much ado about nothing. I, I, I agree that it should not be abused. But I think as we continue to see the growth and prevalence of body-worn camera technology throughout the state, I think it is going to become easier and less expensive over time uh, to fulfill those requests than it is currently today. Um, And so I I don't think that it is as prohibitive. This legislation will be as prohibitive as some people would uh, suggest. But again, I I understand that uh, people are sensitive about anything that looks like it could create obstacles towards transparency. And that's not something that our organization supports. And certainly it should not be abused. All right. Well, Jim, thank you so much for joining us here on Lake Effect and sharing your work. Thank you. Jim Palmer is the executive director for the Wisconsin Professional Police Association.